Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. On today's episode, we're joined by Eduardo Briseño, CEO of Growth.how and author of the newly released book, The Performance Paradox. Eduardo is a global keynote speaker and facilitator who specializes in guiding many of the world's leading companies in developing cultures of learning and high performance. Getting a start to his career with early roles as an investment banking analyst and venture capital investor, Eduardo went on to become the co-founder and CEO of MindsetWorks in 2007, the first company to offer growth mindset development services. His mission of guiding organizations in cultivating growth mindset cultures continued into his next phase in 2020 as he founded his latest venture, Growth.how, while at the same time, his keynote speeches have really been growing in popularity. In fact, his two TED Talks titled How to Get Better at the Things You Care About and The Power of Belief have been viewed more than 9 million times. And if that wasn't impressive enough, Eduardo recently entered the publishing game in September 2023 with the release of his book, The Performance Paradox, Turning the Power of Mindset into Action. This game-changing book was already selected as a must-read by the Next Big Idea Club, curated by big names such as Susan Cain, Malcolm Gladwell, Adam Grant, and Dan Pink. Look, I had the pleasure of working with Eduardo recently as he joined us for our panel discussion back in September as part of HR Daily Advisor's HR Now Virtual Summit on Turnover and Retention. And while we just scratched the surface of his concept of the performance paradox, I wanted to bring him back on to the HR Works podcast to learn more and share Eduardo's keys to unlocking growth potential with our audience today. So without further ado, Eduardo, welcome to the HR Works Podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Josh. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on. It's great to connect with you again. I know we had that great conversation back in September when you joined our panel as part of the HR Now Turnover and Retention session, but it's good to have you back on and get you really introduced to our HR Works audience the proper way here. Looking forward to the conversation. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, look, as we do with any of our new guests on the HR Works Podcast, Eduardo, let's start off by sharing your story and really what got you started. What was your spark? that led you to pursuing a career focused on engagement, workplace culture, and that development of high-performing teams? Well, you know, there's a long story with lots of twists and turns. I'll try to make it short. Uh, But I was, um, like you said, I started my career in finance, in investment banking and venture capital. And I thought those were kind of dream jobs for me. But um, at some point, I became physically sick with a repetitive strain injury called myofascial pain syndrome. My body broke down. And it was like a wake up call because I was, I was, I was losing my ability to use my hands. And I met people with the same condition who couldn't use their hands more than 10 minutes a day. I ended up going on a big journey to heal. Uh, I used speech recognition software for three years. I was stretching for an hour and a half every day. I went to like DC for six weeks, getting this treatment called trigger point therapy. So there was a big journey to understand what was going on with my body and what were the root causes of what was going on, but I had to learn about nutrition. I had to learn about exercise, sleep, you know, breathing, holding my body. Um, but one of the things that I realized is that I didn't really have any interest. Like I was losing my hands and I was getting the sense that if I lost my hands, I wouldn't have done anything useful with them. Like I actually wouldn't have made a dent in anybody's life or in the world. And so it was kind of like a quarter life crisis. I was in my mid twenties. And I decided to go to grad school to really find a different path and develop a different path. And there I met Stanford professor Carol Dweck, 
who coined the term growth mindset. She's led the research and her book, Mindset, is the seminal book around growth mindset. And I started working with her. I co-founded Mindset Works with her. She's been my mentor for 16 years. And in learning about her work was really the spark that led me to realize how my own mindset was getting in the way of my goals in the past and professionally and personally, and how that realization and learning from her and others, I, I got in a completely different path. I got a different experience of life and, and growth for myself. And I, I became passionate about helping other people, you know, develop similar insights and strategies. And so that's what started me on this journey. Wow, that is incredible, Eduardo. And what a what a journey it has been to get there. Again, going through so much change, both mentally and physically. Often we talk about just having that spark moment that could be mental, but for you it was physical experience as well to really find that moment, right? To have that spark, that awakening, to find your new path in your career, finding that growth mindset and doing so much to now look at how to develop and improve workplace culture and performance. That is is really great. Thank you for sharing that with us, Eduardo. And uh, we're so glad that you had that path to get us here today and really share uh, what you have today, which is the performance paradox. So why don't we dig in there and just share with our audience, what is the performance paradox? I know, as I mentioned, you released your book recently in September 2023, The Performance Paradox, Turning the Power of the Mindset into Action. So let's start right there with the performance paradox. Help us understand that. Yeah, the performance paradox is the counterintuitive reality that if we focus only on performing, our performance suffers. And that's, that's something that I didn't know. I, I used to believe, like I think a lot of people do, that the way to grow and to succeed was just to work hard. You know, if I showed up every day and I did my best and I just worked hard, then I would get better and I would succeed. And what I've realized since is that that is misguided. That actually just working hard at trying to do something works for growth only while we're novices, when we're getting started at something, then just trying the activity, we'll, we'll learn something and we'll, we'll become proficient. But once we become proficient, it, it doesn't work anymore. We, we, we stagnate. So if you look at, for example, like world-class athletes, we see them playing matches in tournaments, doing the, the things they know best, trying to minimize mistakes, trying to win points. That's what I call the performance zone is when we're doing the best we can trying to minimize mistakes. But what we don't see, right, is the way they improve. So if they're having trouble with a particular move during the match, after the match, they'll go to their coach and say, coach, I have to work on this move. And that's a very different activity than what we see during the game. And what research shows is that what allows them to continue to grow and to develop expertise is what they do off the court in what I call the learning zone, where we're trying uh, things that are beyond what we know, experiment with things that may or may not work, when we solicit feedback, when we reflect on mistakes. And those things are different than just showing up and focusing on, on our to-do list. I love that. That idea of plateauing rings so true, and it can be in athletics, it can be in the workplace, that idea of learning and continuing to learn how to really get great at your profession, at your skill, um, and developing those new skills. And it can come from so many different angles and approaches. I love that. I, I mean, again, I think we've all been there, right? You start that new position, you start that new role, and everything is new. There's so much to learn. But at some point, you can almost hit that phase where things become repetitive. You really maxed out at growth. How do you introduce those new elements to continue growing? Yeah, absolutely. So it's about uh, embedding the learning zone, the performance zone. Both are important. Embedding them into our work and lives as habits, as structures, as systems, as tools. 
uh, so we're engaging in them on a regular basis. Yeah, it's avoiding that trap. I think so often, if you lose sight of that growth opportunity, that growth mindset, it does become a trap in a sense, in terms of our career growth, our professional growth, and that idea that we can really never stop learning. Absolutely. Uh, really well said. So looking at that now with an HR lens, how can HR leaders, many of whom are listening to this podcast, how can they set their workforce up to overcome the performance paradox and really unlock growth across their organization? So what we want is for people to engage in both the performance zone and the learning zone every day, you know? And so for athletes, it looks different. For athletes, um, they might engage in an hour at a time or half hour on deliberate practice, just focus on only improvement. And for most of us in the workplace, uh, the biggest opportunity is different because we have so much to do, we're so busy. So the biggest opportunity for most of us is to really think like build habits where we are, as we are getting things done, as we are performing, we're doing it in a way that's also going to lead to improvement, right? And so if we think about first, before we get to HR leaders, we think about kind of what, what do we want individuals to do um, or teams? We want them to be engaging first, like have a goal of what it is they want to continue to learn and grow and improve, right? So what is it, what, what skill am I going to be working on? How am I going to be working on that skill? Is it going to be, you know, through like a mentor or working on a particular thing in meetings or the way that I prepare reports and have that goal and those kind of habits to work on that skill. But in teams too, like a lot of our systems in companies are, are designed for performance. And that's important. We need to do that. But if we think about meetings, for example, we might talk about what needs to get done by what date, how are we going to keep ourselves accountable to performing? And that's all really important, but what we don't do enough of often is the learning system. So in that same meeting, we can have a section of the meeting where we talk about something we learned recently that our colleagues might benefit from, like thinking about what are we going to do differently as a result of that, or questions that we have that other people might help us with, or things that we're grappling with. Uh, and we can put it into the agenda that changes the conversation, um, or like the habit of soliciting feedback from customers or from colleagues about how are we working together? What's helpful? What could we try differently? And so what, if that's what we want our employees and teams to do, then as HR leaders or as business leaders, both, we can think about how do we foster those habits and systems in our people? And for, for leaders, I think three things to think about are first, think about how we frame things for people, like meaning how do we explain what it is that we're supposed to do on a daily basis when we come to work? And it's part of that, right? Sure. It's part of that working to change ourselves and to improve ourselves and to work to continue to develop ourselves, right? So is that something that we are guiding people to do and reminding them? Um, second, what are the systems and habits that we can use to improve and to get better? And then third is modeling learning visibly because often when we become leaders, we feel like we should be knowers. We, should, we feel like we should have all the answers and be fully sure of ourselves. And we might talk about learning and we might even do learning on our own in private when other people aren't watching. But if they see us as knowers, then they're going to emulate those behaviors, right? They're going to act like knowers. Um, and so we need to make our learning process visible and explicit. The last thing I'll say about HR leaders is um, there's so much that, I mean, HR leaders are focused on how do we create thriving workplaces, which is so important and so central to both learning and performing. And that's a huge like privilege and gift to be able to focus on how do we create a great experience and, and supports and structures for that. And at the same time, 
there's the business leaders that I think we need to partner with because they are leading a lot of the work and people are looking to them and emulating them. And so one thing to think about as HR leaders is how can we expose the most senior business leaders to some of these ideas so that they embrace them as something strategic that's important to do and for them to learn about and to, and to model and, and, and do that in partnership, right? With business leadership, but the, the beginning can, can start in different places. Uh, and, and, you know, looking at who are the people who are excited about this? What are the opportunities that we can uh, start with to grow from there? Uh, and that can look differently in different companies. That is so well said and really a fantastic approach in the approach of the performance paradox and how to overcome the performance paradox, again, where HR leaders can really focus. I love what you said in there, Eduardo, about modeling, right? And focusing on what learning looks like for your organization from the top down. And that could be different for each organization in terms of what learning looks like when you're in the learning zone, how that appears in different teams, but really focusing in on that and having intent and making that visible to really encourage a learning across the board. I think that's, that's a key piece that HR teams can focus on. Yeah, you know, in a growth mindset, a growth mindset means that anybody can change our abilities and our qualities and that anybody can improve. And so in a growth mindset, even if you're the best in the world at something, you can always continue to get better, right? And so in a learning organization, a growth mindset organization, everybody's continuing to further improve, not just, you know, some people. Yeah. How do we identify those areas where learning should be focused? Uh, what are some of those, those skills? How do you identify, okay, this is when we need to go into our learning zone where we may be weak in some cases and can grow and really help us. So when we move over to the performance zone, we're better. I'm thinking of it with that athlete comparison. feels pretty obvious, again, if you're on the court and you notice that move that's holding you back, where, again, if you're playing basketball, you notice, okay, this is where I'm being stopped. If you're playing soccer, okay, this is the, the one move where I, I continually get trapped and I need to work on. Or again, you pick the sport, there's plenty of opportunities. In the workplace, though, it may be less clear to say, okay, hey, this is where defense is stopping us. How do you identify those? Yeah, so I think one, one thing is super powerful is feedback, right? I think feedback might be the, 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 the most powerful learning zone strategy in the workplace in general. It's just soliciting feedback. And sometimes we focus on encouraging people to give feedback, which is not bad. But if we encourage everybody to solicit feedback, then we make it so much easier for everybody to give feedback and also to receive feedback. But even in sports, you know, you, you might, some things might be obvious, but your coach might point out things that you're not seeing, right? And so that feedback from the coach is super helpful. Or if you're in a team sport like, like soccer, your, your teammate might say, hey, like, I was thinking you would go here and, you know, and you didn't know. So, so that information from the people around us is so helpful. Um, and so from that feedback, right, of what people find that we're doing that's helpful, that, that we should keep doing or work on our strengths and to continue to build them, um, or things that we're doing that might be problematic or that we might think about, you know, doing differently or learning more about. So that's information that we can all be gathering. And I think ideally kind of what we direct our learning zone effort to is ideally something that that can be chosen by the learner, right? Learning is so much more powerful when the learner is driving and saying, yeah, this is resonating. I can see how this would be helpful to me. Um, and I'm, I'm going to spend my time on this, right? And, and somebody else can say, well, you know, to get to this other level, you're really going to eventually need to work on this because this, you know, this is something that's required for this step. But that's still something that is information for the person to then choose at some point to spend time on that. Um, so I think, I think um, feedback is super critical. Some organizations, 
um, identify what are the competencies that are really critical for different roles or different, you know, different seniority. And so that can also help guide people. Some organizations might provide different resources to learn about some different things. Uh, but I think choice is very powerful as well. That is really interesting and resonates certainly with me in that idea that a feedback culture can be such a big driver here. When you create a culture of feedback, that is going to then open up employees to that idea of, hey, there are opportunities to learn and create that want to learn, which as you said there, when you're driven and want to learn something, you're going to be more invested. I mean, that goes back to our school days, right? Of learning certain subjects that you're passionate about, you're going to invest more of your time into. And it's creating that culture and making it obvious those opportunities, whether it's from feedback or again, seeing it in a culture of learning that there's an opportunity if I am able to learn this new skill. I think that's a great way to propel organizations forward and embracing that learning zone. Yeah. And I think you've touched on some other things that are really important too, like for, for people to be motivated and effective learners, right? Feedback provides really useful information, but a couple of other things to think about in order for somebody to be a motivated and effective learner first, they need to believe that they can change because we can't improve without change. So that's a growth mindset. Second, they need to know how to change. What are effective strategies to change? And that's based on the foundation of the learning zone versus the performance zone. Um, but then there's there's a lot of specific you know strategies like feedback or experimentation or other things. Third, we need to have like a purpose or a reason or something we care about. So in organizations where People feel a connection to the relevance of what we're doing and the impact that we're having. That gives us energy to engage in both the learning zone and the performance zone. And finally, really important is to feel like we belong in a learning community. Meaning when we look around, we feel like we belong, like this is our home, but also we feel that other people are learners and they want to grow. They are curious. They ask questions. They listen. And so we want to belong in that group so that that leads us to be learners too. And we can work on those things as leaders in order to get people excited and motivated and into the habits that are going to lead to human growth, which is then going to lead to organizational growth. Yeah, it's that idea of learning as a team, learning together, and really gaining momentum off of each other in that learning scenario. I think that's great and a really powerful way to look at learning on the workplace. Yeah, and more, more brains are smarter than one brain, right? And especially yeah. if there's diversity and different perspectives. So we're just a lot more powerful together than we are individual. Absolutely. Well said. Now, does learning and growth look the same for all employees and workforces? No, uh, there's lots of different learning strategies and for different skills, um, different situations, different contexts. And throughout our lives, we're going to be having different habits and engaging in different things. Uh, so, you know, learning science is really, really deep and, and broad. And, um, and we can apply different parts of it. And I think each of us is creating our own harmony uh, or symphony of habits and tools and people around us. And we, we want to, to create kind of coherence around how we both learn and perform. Yeah, uh, learning and development is just as diverse as any aspect of the employee workforce that we're all so focused on. With that in mind, how can HR teams and managers identify those best learning tracks and forms of professional development for their teams that's unique, that works best for them? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it can look very differently for different companies. I think it can evolve. We can always continue to improve it. So I would say uh, feedback from employees and what they need, looking from the inside out into what other companies do and listening to podcasts like HR Works, right? And getting ideas about what other people do and that might be helpful. Experimentation. Uh, so, you know, it's it's something that, uh, that there's a big canvas yeah. and uh, different things can work in different places. 
All right, well, and well said. I appreciate the HR work shout out there. Hopefully, we are playing a little piece and just driving that learning forward. Um, and you're right. There's the adaptability in learning. As much as we talk about employees learning and taking feedback, the learning process and, again, learning programs that organizations set up, those can also adapt and change through feedback as well. Absolutely. It's all part of that learning ecosystem. Now, one thing I want to look at, Eduardo, is this idea of, of a lot of long-tenured employees. And we talked about that idea of plateauing. A long-tenured employees probably are falling into that trap more so than the newest employees, the ones that have been with an organization for extended periods of time and have a ton of institutional knowledge. How do you develop professional growth and development for those employees, the ones who are really part of the fabric of corporate culture, but may not have thought about entering into the learning zone and, and taking on new skills? Well, I think that for anybody, we, we want to inspire and motivate people to engage in lifelong learning. And we can do that through like a, a lot of companies do that through a cultural transformation where they, um, they identify what are our core values and they might need a refresh of like, is learning and development part of that, for example, um, or growth mindset, you know, people talk about it in different ways. Um, but, but thinking about is, is, is our culture the right one? Do we want to involve it? Do, do we need a, a transformation effort around our culture? And if so, then 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 what are the key messages and, and what are how are we going to be guiding our people for everybody to to be working? A lot of companies are going through transformations like this because the world continues to to change faster and faster, right? And and so um, as as that becomes very very evident, then companies are taking an opportunity to say, hey, like this is something that's going to allow us to to thrive and to thrive at a new level for a long time to come. And so this is important for us, for all of us to grow and learn more about these topics, about growth mindset, about learning zone, about how we learn better together. How do we, how do we, how do we continue to advance our teamwork um, and providing resources for people to do that? So I don't think it's about like singling out one person and saying you have to learn, but more like how do we build this culture and then when, when companies um, engage in that transformation effort, often the vast majority of people get really excited about it. So they might feel challenges, like I'm really busy, like how am I going to make time for this? And so they, need, they, need, they might need help and collaboration on, it's about shifting how we work, not about like blocking a lot of time for it, for example. Um, but in, in, as, as the vast majority of people jump into it, uh, I, I encourage people to to work with those who are more, who are ready, who are engaged and excited, inviting others along the way. But there might be others who are not as sure. They might not be sure that it's safe. For example, they might not be sure that it's safe to for them to talk about what they can improve or to talk about their questions or what they're unsure about. But when they see other people around them behaving in those ways and having that be rewarded and people building deeper relationships and, and, and being able to achieve more together, um, then they come along, and and if after some time, after a long time um, of you know feedback, and and if, if somebody continues to not change, some of those people, like few of them, then end up kind of leaving the organization because they they don't embrace the new culture. But the vast majority of people do and and transform. Well, one opportunity I see as well, especially with long tenured employees who may not even be looking for skills to develop themselves to be better at their current role is putting them in positions where they can be mentors for some of those up and coming employees. And that can create learning in its own right. For sure. In terms of, again, leaning on those long tenured employees who have institutional knowledge, 
and use them to really help advocate for learning and development within the organization. Sometimes you'll probably learn and develop even new skills through mentorship on the teaching side as much as you are on the, on the learning side. Absolutely. I agree completely. And some companies make that explicit, right? The, the mentorship relationships are two-way and they talk about examples of how you know both sides can learn. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's really interesting. One thing you touched on as well a little while back there, Eduardo, was that idea of retention and turnover and how that ties into both the performance paradox, but just the idea of professional growth opportunities as well. What is that relationship between professional growth and employee retention? Yeah, you know, people love to grow. I mean, they love to discover. They love to be able to become more competent and able to achieve more. So when people are growing at their job, they, they want to stay in that job. Yeah. They, they, they want to stay in that job so that they can continue to grow. They, when, when people are learning with each other, we're also building deeper bonds with each other. Like we are, when, when we have, for example, things that frustrate us about how we work together, we can work those things out, learn more about our preferences and how we can work better together. That working through that conflict brings us closer together and then ends up in us having great teamwork and, and having great um, interactions with each other. And so that bond also, the, the, the collaboration toward learning and performing also is a part of the retention and it's enabled again by, by, by learning and growing. It's a shared experience and that's going to just again create that attachment, that bond to your, your colleagues that will make you want to stay and really again fortify your corporate culture too. Yeah. There's so many benefits that really can be seen by embracing this learning culture and really integrating that into your workforce. Now, Eduardo, one thing you touched on earlier that I do want to dig into a bit and learn a bit more, you mentioned the growth mindset. Can you explain that a bit? I know that was passed along to you and really got you started in your spark by your own mentor. Can you mind sharing a bit of what that growth mindset is? Yeah, and growth mindset has become very popular. But when we ask people, what does a growth mindset mean to you? We, we hear lots of different answers. So people might answer is being open-minded or is working hard or persevering. And a growth mindset is none of those things. So I'm glad you're asking the question. I want to be clear about what a growth mindset means. A growth mindset is a perspective about the nature of human beings, specifically is the belief that we can change, that whether it's us or others, that our abilities and qualities are malleable and can be developed. And we all are sometimes in a fixed mindset some of the time. So, so there is opportunity to become self-aware if we haven't identified that. But we might see, for example, um, leadership in a fixed way. Like if we think this person is a great leader because they're a natural leader, that's an example of a fixed mindset, right? And if we think that leaders are great because they're natural leaders, then people don't tend to work to continue to become better leaders, right? When they experience struggle, then they feel more helpless because they're saying, I'm not such a good leader or I don't know what to do. And so they might either hide their mistakes or deficiencies or just become very stressed or give up and say, I'm not going to try to lead. I'm going to try to do something else. So when we believe that we can always continue to change and improve in that area, it makes us more resilient. It makes us more likely to engage in the learning zone strategies to solicit feedback, to listen to feedback when we receive feedback. Um, but we might, you know, we might have a growth mindset about leadership, understanding that we can become better and have a fixed mindset about creativity, right? Tend to see creativity as something that people have or not have, or introversion or extroversion or intelligence. And so any ability or quality we can think about, do I tend to see more this as something that can be developed, anybody can continue to strengthen or something that's fixed in people. And when we see those things as fixed, um, it, it tends to make us non-learners. It tends to uh, make us react defensively to feedback, 
uh, it makes us tend to want to pretend. Uh, I was doing so much pretending before, you know, I met Carol Dweck in terms of just pretending to have all the answers and be sure of myself um, because I just wanted to prove that I was that I was smart and I was talented because, you know, the alternative was to not be. And I just didn't have the, the focus every day to just continue to improve and, and increase my understanding of my skills. Um, so that's a growth mindset is the belief that we can develop our abilities and qualities. And, and it's super, super critical. But along with that, we also need to know how to develop those qualities. And that's where the learning zone, the performance zone uh, come in. Oh, that is great. And thank you for sharing that with us, Eduardo. It's that idea that you don't know everything, you haven't perfected everything, you can still learn and really embracing that. And that can be so interwoven within corporate culture and creating that learning culture within an organization. Absolutely. And in, in any particular skill, you know, perfection is not attainable, right? We can right. always continue to improve. Even like an Olympic gold medalist who's the best at what they do, they can always continue to improve even further. And that's what a growth mindset is. Those are the, the athletes that you always hear, the all-time athletes are the ones who are putting time in the gym after they've had their resume building games and performances. They're the ones who are still working in the gym overnight to continue getting better. And that same philosophy applies in the workplace. Yeah, and it, it decreases our anxiety because we know that we can never be perfect. So there's, you know, mistakes are normal. They're expected. They're things to look at and think about and learn from. And it just... It helps us build our competence, and once we are competent, then uh, it frees us to continue to learn with others to become even more competent. Yeah, uh, so well said. And again, creating that learning culture within your corporate culture. Now, Eduardo, is there an element of corporate culture that you've seen that matters the most to organizations in late 2023? And if so, what would that be? I, I you know, I wouldn't. I would. I'm curious about what you would say. I, yeah. I, I am. Um, I don't think in my mind there's there's just one thing. I think there's 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 different things that are really important. I guess if I were to say one thing, I I really appreciate that there's a trend to really cultivate and nourish workplaces where everybody can thrive. And I think that that has a lot of different components, whether it's like having like a nurturing a sense of purpose and mission, nurturing a sense of inclusion nurturing a sense of learning and, and, and growth. Um, uh, but those are some of the things that, that I think are really important. Uh, a sense of authenticity and transparency, yeah. and like uh, uh, sharing our our thinking at least, and also ideally our emotions that are relevant to our shared goals. And those are all, you know, I, I, I see a lot of positive trends when it comes to how organizations are being deliberate about what kind of culture we're trying to build. How about you? What do you think? Uh, it's that adaptability, I think, is so crucial right now. And, and understanding that it's not when the work gets done, it's how the work's getting done. Uh, it's not where the work's getting done. It's, again, the quality of the work that's being done there. And I think understanding that and embracing more of that mindset has really made a difference with corporate culture. And look, there are organizations who feel everything needs to be in person and that we need to have groups back in the office five days a week. Um, but I think that it's a very defining part of corporate culture right now to say, what is your stance on flexibility? What does flexibility mean to you? Uh, and I think that has really been the most kind of crucial piece of corporate culture in 2023. That makes sense. And again, there, there are organizations that will identify, maybe this is all being adaptable as well, of what works for us. Some may have to be in person by requirement, by necessity others by preference, or again, other organizations realize that, hey, we can do just as well, if not better, by being open to flexible work arrangements. 
And I think that's really been the big deciding factor for a lot of organizations right now. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I would love to emphasize what you said. That is, firstly, it is a great thing to think about. Um, and um, because flexibility and integration of work and life can make a huge difference to our work and to our relationships. Um, but but also as, as organizations think about when and where people should work, also like think about how, right? right. And to what extent are you working only um, to perform and also embedding systems to learn as well is something to think about as we think about this, how, how work is evolving. Yeah, well, that's that rise of the four-day workweek conversation as well, which ebbs and flows. I would say five, six months ago, it, it was really red hot, kind of went dormant, and it seemed to, to resurge again uh, in late 2023. And it's that idea that it's very radical to think that way, but for organizations that think it can work for them and are willing to try it, it's going to attract a certain type of talent, and we'll see how that success lands. And I think it's ultimately up to where organizations want to go and what's best for them. And that really is adaptability at its finest. It's set up your organization how you want. There's no firm set way to run your organization in 2023 and what your culture looks like in 2023. That's exciting, if anything. It is exciting. And, and uh, I agree with you. I think it's about each of us, whether it's individuals, teams, organizations, finding our own harmony and symphony and coherence uh, of, of what works for us. And that, and that also adds to diversity at an organizational level so that people can uh, work at the organizations that are best fit for them. Yeah. And really, we're, we're in the learning zone right now as a workforce. I think so many of us are trying different things and trying different approaches to our workforce to see what works best and then putting that into the performance zone. Yes. Well said. Eduardo, circling back to the idea of the growth mindset. And looking at your career and maybe what you've learned, what's something you've learned about yourself over the past year or a few years that you feel has made you a more effective leader? Yeah, well, you know, in February of 2019, I started my journey around diversity, equity, inclusion as a learner, as an individual. I was doing a fellowship and one of my fellow cohort mates kind of got motivated based on a conversation we had in a cohort to learn about other people's experiences and the systems that we're part of. And so we started meeting and she invited other people to join in those conversations. So we started meeting every two weeks and doing readings in between and watching um, videos. And uh, as a result, I've, I've learned a ton that I just was not aware of and I'm still in that journey. But in I think it's made me more aware of systems, uh, whether it is in society or in organizations or in my life and different um, different patterns of sociodemographic groups and how what people have experienced. And that's definitely led me to be more effective as a person and as a leader. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with us, Eduardo. And as we're speaking to an audience of HR professionals, is there something you've seen out of the HR and people operations community over the last year that has really stood out? Like, What's that best thing that you've seen come out of the HR community? There isn't just one thing for me. I mean, there's so much great work of being deliberate around what kinds of cultures people want to build and setting up that guiding language that's clear, going on a learning journey, supporting their workflow, their leaders and their workforce in different ways. And I just see a lot of like positive trends uh, in the in the sector. But you you are closer to the sector than I am. So what would you say? Yeah, that was a great question. I really think that the best thing we've seen come out of the HR community over the last year has been that that openness to development, really the focus on upskilling, on learning, on growth. 
is really encouraging to think that we're not just filling a role in the short term. We're creating careers and building careers out of all of our employees. And that's really been encouraging to see. There's been a lot thrown at the HR community. I think they've had to process and change a lot to move forward and have done a great job of doing so. I agree. You know, there there is a great opportunity in moments of transition, whether it's an indivi- as individuals or teams, organizations, to change, to think about how do we want to change and how do we seize this moment of what can be a crisis or, or a transition that is definitely going to be a transition. How do we do it most deliberately uh, so that we end up in a, in a better place. And I think that the HR community has done that uh, really well. And it is, it is a moment to seize. Um, and I'm really happy to hear from you that part of the trend that you see is around learning and, and development, because that's what I see, because that's the work I do. That's, sure. So all the, the organizations interested in that, you know, engage me, but you have a much wider lens to look at. And so it's cool to hear that, that you see it as well from, from where you are. Yeah, well, and, and you look, and it can be called so many different things. Again, there, there are so many buzzwords that really um, are driving conversation within the community right now, but upskilling, whether you want to call it that, or again, it's growth and development, but it's all with that idea of developing and building your workforce. Sometimes it's doing more with less. Sometimes it's learning how to use the tools that are in the marketplace. Again, AI is a big driving conversation, but how do you utilize AI to propel growth and development in your organization? I think that's really interesting to see all built around growing your people, making them better, making them more effective and driving organizations forward. Cool. Yeah, it, it really is an exciting time in the HR community. So again, we're here with Eduardo Briseño, CEO of Growth.how and author of the newly released book, The Performance Paradox, Turning the Power of Mindset into Action. Eduardo, for our audience out there, if you don't mind, share a little bit about your book. What would you like them to know? And certainly the best ways to get in touch and learn more. Sure. Well, the book, The Performance Paradox, was uh, first, I'm, I'm just floored that it's received some great recognition. It was um, identified as a must read by the Next Big Idea Club, which is just an honor. And Thinkers 50, which was described by the Financial uh, Times as the kind of Oscars of management thinking. Uh, nominated me for the Breakthrough Idea Award, which is uh, just a, an amazing honor. So, but the book is 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 organized in three parts. The first one is on the core frameworks and for individuals to think about how can I make the learning zone, the performance zone, part of my life. Uh, the second part is about teams and organizations and leaders. How can we do this in our teams and organizations? And the third part is what do we do in the performance zone? Because most of us get stuck in the performance zone, right? And so we just get stuck on getting things done um, and not engaging enough in the learning zone. So, so that's the most of the lens is how do, we, how do we embed the learning zone into our work and our lives as individuals, teams, and organizations. But some people, when they learn about this framework, they realize that they spend too much time in the learning zone and they need to engage a little bit more in the performance zone. Or, you know, all of us can think about and learn about how, how can we best make use of the performance zone time. And so that third part is about what do we do in the performance zone and how can engaging in both zones change lives and organizations. And so the book is available you know, in Amazon or wherever, wherever books are sold. I'm also active in LinkedIn and I have a monthly newsletter at my website, briseño.com. Fantastic. Yeah, plenty of great ways to reach you. Eduardo, congrats on those accolades to the success you're seeing with newly released book, and it's already picking up a ton of momentum. So congrats, and we are certainly rooting for you here with the HR Works podcast, and certainly encourage our audience out there to check out Eduardo's book. Now, Eduardo, before we let you go here, we do have to ask a question about professional advice that you've leaned on in the past. 
here's an opportunity to put our listeners into the learning zone a bit. Is there something you've leaned on throughout your career that's really helped you as a professional, helped you grow, that you could pass forward to our audience of HR professionals, recruiting professionals, and L&D professionals? Sure. Well, one is I didn't lean on enough early in my career into really focusing on putting myself into situations where I could learn and grow more. Um, and I would work with people that I could learn uh, from and that were interested in that and that were, you know, very skilled and competent in what they did. I, you know, when I first started MindsetWorks, um, we, I decided to bootstrap it. And I thought just by doing things, I would, I would figure things out and whatever needed to be figured out, I would figure it out along the way. And that I realized now that if I had just engaged some great mentors who had done similar things before, and I would have just learned so much faster. And so what, I, what I've done better and better as my career has progressed is to connect with people that I can learn from. Um, and a lot of those relationships are friend tours, you know, people where we, we share with each other, and we support each other, and we learn in, in, a, in a two, two directions. Um, so I think thinking about how w- valuing kind of growth and how can I embed more growth in my relationships and in what I do and in the organization that I choose to be part of. The other thing that comes to mind is a lot of what I do now has come unexpectedly from opportunities that just arose out of my pursuing a passion, you know, a, a mission. Um, but, they, you know, I wouldn't have expected that I would be a public speaker or, or that I would be writing a book. And so sometimes, you know, if we become passionate and, 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 and develop our interest and our purpose and pursue it, sometimes opportunities will open up that a lot of them we might need to say no to because they will distract, be distracted, but we, we would get too distracted. But there are some great opportunities that are incredible openings to pursue the things that we're interested in, in and make an impact. So thinking about which of those unexpected opportunities do I want to take on? And then how do I kind of work hard in both the learning zone and the performance zone to make the most of them? Right. That's that idea. Even from the start, as you were sharing your spark of finding that passion, pursuing that and seeing where that led you and being open to learning and adapting, which again, is that key to entering the learning zone, which is going to then help you grow and help you perform and be even better. So it really all just does come full circle. And you're again, practicing what you preach in a sense. So, uh, so thank you for that. And thank you for sharing that with our audience here. Now, Eduardo, we do have one bonus question, and this is my favorite one to ask. And it's all about motivation. We get some great answers here. You wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor. What's the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day? Well, I every day before my feet hit, hit the floor, uh, when I decide to get out of bed, I, I get on my back and I just express gratitude for the things that I deem to be most important, which for me are life, health, love, and peace. I see each of those four things as kind of glasses partly full um, and I want to pay attention to the things that are there that are full, you know, because our, our brain has evolved to pay more attention to the threats than the rewards. And so if I don't pay attention to the love there's in the world and in my life, for example, there's a lot of things that are going to be trying to draw my attention to the hate and the, and the war, right? Whether it's the news or social media or just my brain. And so I want to start first by by reminding myself of what's most important, because then that helps me put things into perspective when other things happen, you know, that, that are challenges in the day. Um, and then to pay attention to the, to the things that are there of those things. 
um, and, and, and express gratitude for that. So that, that helps me generate and radiate the positive emotions that set me up for a great day and life is made out of days. So that, that's the most important habit for me. Uh, I love that outlook. Thank you for sharing that one with us, Eduardo. And yeah, starting your day off with gratitude. Can't think of a better way to do that. Very well said. So look again, Eduardo Briseño, CEO of Growth.how and author of the newly released book, The Performance Paradox, Turning the Power of Mindset into Action. Thank you so much for joining the HR Works podcast. Thanks for reconnecting. We had you on initially when you were on our panel discussion as part of the HR Now virtual summit, but it was great to get you back on for an official episode. I definitely want to keep our conversation here going, Eduardo, but thanks again for coming on. Ditto. Thank you, Josh, for having me. I enjoyed our conversation. All right. Thanks, Eduardo. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.